This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, welcome to Raise Your Game. I'm Roshan Kanesan. In May, it was reported that Malaysia was two seats away from having women make up at least 30% of board members among the top 100 public listed companies here. Women, Family and Community Development Minister Datuk Sri Nancy Shrukri told the Dewan Rakyat that women accounted for 29.7% of directors in these companies, which was a significant improvement from 2016 when only 14% of boards of companies had a minimum of 30% of women on their boards. On a wider note, according to Grant Thornton's 2023 International Business Report on Women in Business Globally, Malaysia has maintained 40% of senior management positions held by women, while globally the figure has risen to 32%. So Malaysia is slightly ahead of the game here. And while it does seem like Malaysia is making progress on this front, there are still plenty of biases and challenges women business deal with that differ from their male counterparts in the predominantly male workforce and leadership structure. Today on Raise Your Game, we explore the unique challenges faced by women leaders and ways to possibly manage them, including women-centric communities, mentorship programs, and common mistakes that are easily avoidable when trying to bring more women back into the workforce and senior leadership. Helping me with this today. I'm speaking with experienced executive coaches, Marianne Mooney, the author of The Worthy Leader, and Lillian Bay, partner at Innovative Formula. Lillian, Marianne, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us. It's brilliant to be here. Both of you are seasoned executive coaches, and I, I rattled off some statistics earlier. Um, with your personal observations in the corporate world, um, do those stats resonate with you? Um, Lillian, let's start with you. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. No, like 15 years ago, when I when I would conduct uh, leadership management programs in organizations, especially at the senior level, we might see one, two, mm. three women in a class of 20. But nowadays, we're seeing a whole lot more. We're seeing maybe, you know, five, six, seven, even sometimes up to even, you know, um, half of the class uh, uh, who are leaders in, in their own right and women leaders. So that's really nice to see. And I see that across uh, Asia, actually. Uh, Marion, what about yourself? As do, these, uh, do these stats uh, resonate with your personal observations? Absolutely. And I mean, firstly, I think we need to celebrate the positive change. And I'm smiling to myself because I can actually think back 25 years and I'm thinking of two clients, a bank and a mining company, uh, at the senior executive level, I think there were two women in total, which, as you can imagine, is incredibly lonely. And if you don't mind, I'm actually even thinking about my own family. Mm. I'm thinking about um, my son and son-in-law as well, um, both CEOs of their companies and the roles that they're playing in terms of being positive role models, you know, for their daughters and really engaging and supporting uh, women in the workplace. And I see this in so many um, of our clients now. And so I think there's a lot to celebrate and still a long way to go. And on that note, based on your own coaching experiences, um, talk to us a little bit about the unique challenges faced by women leaders and how you've advised uh, either clients or women leaders that you coach to address them. Uh, Marianne? Oh, thank you, Russia. And I think that we see these challenges really showing up on three fronts. Firstly, the individual herself 
if you think about it, I mean, really, we're talking about massive change only in the last 50 years. So we're really trying to shift thousands of years of conditioning. So, for example, women have been conditioned and therefore often fall into patterns of the need to be liked or likeable, the need to be perfect or the need to accommodate others, you know, trying to fit in rather than having a strong, unique individual leadership voice. There, and the other area is the work front. You know, what are the policies in the workplace that are actually supporting women? You know, for example, I'm thinking about a young a female client of mine who was on maternity leave recently, who was incredibly disappointed that uh, she was overlooked for a, a significant promotion that she was well placed for. So it's really about the, the policies and the structural changes that we need. And also, of course, we, we have to include the home front here in that, yes, we have come a, a long way, but uh, in many cases, women still carry more of the domestic load and um, particularly women with children and uh, also women who might have ageing parents or parents-in-law and even single women uh, as well, you know, often have to pick up the load for ageing parents. So there's still those kind of expectations that perhaps we place on ourselves still. Um, Lillian, your own thoughts on this? Um, what are the unique uh, challenges faced by women leaders? How do we address them? Some Maybe carrying on from what uh, Marianne was talking about. Yeah, I think some of the, um, for myself, um, what I find is um, for women is the ability to set boundaries. And I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, unique challenge that women have, um, knowing when to stop is one of the biggest uh, challenges that they have. And, you know, I, somehow women feel that there is this need to be everything everywhere and everything to everyone. So it makes it, um, uh, there is this immense guilt sometimes when we're not everything everywhere and, and to everyone. So I think that's that's a bigger uh, area that, you know, I seem to find myself coaching a lot on. And uh, just inviting women to become clearer about, you know, what their boundaries are. What is it that they want to say yes to? What is it that they don't, they want to say no to? And, um, you know, this, this actually, um, in my, in my experience, has been one of the biggest contributors to burnout for women. Yeah, because as you, you know, you can, you can want to um, bring women back into the workforce, but, if that if that work at home isn't distributed, uh, redistributed, then you're expecting uh, her to do everything, which is uh, not something that is uh, fair to say the least, or should be expected of a single individual to do. Um, you know, on that note, actually, when we look at the under underrepresentation of women in senior leadership positions, this can be attributed to factors like we talked about earlier. This includes biases in the male-centric workplace, but also, as you both were just making note of, the unequal distribution of household and childcare responsibilities, um, which is a significant uh, burden in the household. So in your opinions, what are the most impactful strategies to enhance representation of women in senior leadership? Mm. Well, I think at the workplace, policies definitely play a big role. Um, you know, the permission to to have um, 
integration of, you know, the family uh, and the workplace. Yeah, um, that's one of the areas. I think, you know, with ESG um, policies as well, that actually helps the woman to make the decision to come back and, and play a larger role at the workforce. Um, I think it's also about uh, the conversations that we have at home with, let's say, our, our significant others. And, uh, you know, those are conversations where uh, when we have them, then we feel supported to also go into the workforce a little bit more confidently and more purposefully. Yeah. For example, when I when I want, wanted to do my own business and really go all out to do it, you know, I had to have conversations with my spouse, my children, how they felt about it um, so that I didn't feel guilty about what I was going to go and get into. Yeah, so that's an example. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's really important to give us a sense of what that conversation needs to sound like or could sound like. Mm. Um, Marianne, um, your own thoughts and strategies to enhance representation of women in not just the workplace but in leadership positions? Yes, I love that word partnership because... I think that is absolutely the uh, way forward in that, you know, men, um, everyone actually has to be part of the conversation, whether it's the conversation that Lillian was describing at home or the conversation that I might need to have with my boss at work, you know, if I, if I you know, um, am needing, you know, to be more focused um, at home or something during the school holidays, for example. They need to be part of the conversation and also um, the solution. But I think really and truly, if we are going to drive change, I think we can all turn our attention to countries like Sweden and and you look at structural change and the, the policies that are in place, like with maternity leave, with men getting just as much leave as women and, you know, apparently around Stockholm, it's just as common to see men pushing the stroller on a weekday um, on leave, maternity leave, as it is for a woman. So I think at the broadest level, it's definitely about policy changes, policy changes in the workplace, as we mentioned before. But it's what are the structures and the opportunities that we can set up in the workplace where women are, you know, participating in whether it's circles, leadership circles for women, or, or some of my clients, for example, have leadership development programs specifically for women to address what are their unique uh, challenges and opportunities. And, so and, many. Yeah, and I think what you're coming to, getting to there is basically peer support, right? Because you want yes, people yeah. around you who can relate to what you're going uh, going through. Uh, provide some empathy and also possibly some solutions, you know, uh, peer-to-peer sharing of what works and what doesn't work, uh, which is actually something that we'll be getting into in a few minutes. But right now, we've got to jump into a few messages. Uh, Folks, I've been speaking with executive coaches Marianne Mooney, the author of The Worthy Leader, and Lillian Bay, partner at Innovative Formula. Up next, we'll be talking about peer support groups, mentorship programs, and male allies. So keep it here to Raise your game on BFM 89.9, the business station. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. 
Hey folks, welcome back to Raise Your Game. I'm Roshan Kunison, and today I've been speaking with executive coaches Marianne Mooney, the author of The Worthy Leader, and Lillian Bay, partner at Innovative Formula, about the unique challenges faced by women leaders in a predominantly male-centric workforce and ways to possibly manage those challenges. Um, Lillian, Marianne, earlier we were talking a little bit about your own experiences, what your own observations in the workforce, and strategies to help bring more women back into uh, the workforce, but also at p- places of leadership within the working world. Um, one thing we talked about earlier, or you mentioned earlier, was essentially peer and community support. And you know, this is exemplified by initiatives such as Lean In Communities. They play a pivotal role in promoting and retaining women in leadership. Again, through things that we talked about earlier, relatability, empathy, and also just uh, moral support, I think, at the, at the base of it. So could you shed some light on the significance of women-centric communities and initiatives, uh, such as the Worthy Leader Retreat that you guys are running soon? Well, I'm really glad that, you know, you picked up on the, the role of communities, um, because, you know, it's really hard to go into places where, you know, there's no precedence or, you know, there's very little precedence about, you know, a, a place for yourself. And um, communities actually function as a place where we can gather together and uh, provide uh, uh, more support for each other in that way. Um, so you don't feel alone. And there's a sense of, you know, power in, in numbers in a sense. Um, and it's also an incredible opportunity that, you know, something like the Worthy Leader Retreat would actually provide is um, for women to gather and really talk um, authentically about what it is that, you know, uh, might be preventing them from, you know, stepping into these roles or just really to reflect on their potential and the unique impact that they actually want to make. Um, because uh, what what we see often is, you know, women don't actually have this opportunity to reflect and I think, you know, I think that's actually even across the board in today's day. So we wanted to create this opportunity for people to come and really sit down or, you know, really take the downtime and put a pause in the the, the roller coasters <laughs> or the, the they've been on or the trains that they've been on and really think about what is important for them. Think about what it is that, you know, I can bring out. And not think about their potential as something that they're boasting about or being arrogant about, but really stepping into what their potential is, stepping into what their strengths are, and stepping into who they are as women and bringing that unique flavor to the workplace. Um, Marianne, could you add on to that as well uh, in terms of your views on the importance of women-centric communities and initiatives uh, and how that can help the situation? Well, I think definitely what Lillian is saying is is so important. It's about gathering women together. And, and what we're doing at the Worthy Leader Retreat is really creating a community of practice. And there's something absolutely magical that takes place when in a confidential setting where women are able to open up and talk about what they're journey is like. And as you mentioned earlier, Roshan, the creation of empathy. We want to see, actually, it's not just about males when you think about allyship. What we're wanting to see also increasingly is women supporting other women as well. And that's what communities do. It's a, Communities are about inclusion and belonging and support for each other. And now, 
you know, why, maybe you can break down for us why it's important for these kind of programs to, you have all sorts of programs for uh, entrepreneur circles as well, right? Um, yes. And, but for these ones, these are specifically for women. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about the importance of having programs exclusively for women. Marian? Sure. And the thing is that when, when we think about women and women leadership, there are some unique characteristics. So there is a conversation around what are the particular challenges that women are are facing. But the reason that Lillian and I are passionate about um, mentorship or communities programs specifically for women is because if you think about it, historically, traditionally, men have held all the positions of power and influence. And now we're, as you mentioned earlier, we're seeing that shift. So the mentors, you know, for example, that women have had typically in the past have mainly been males. And so what we're wanting now is to look through a less male-centric view and, you know, to look at more holistically, I guess. And so there's an opportunity there to do that in a, in a women-only um, retreat and, and able to address the deeper conversation as it applies specifically to women. Uh, Lillian, any thoughts on the importance of having these things exclusively for women? I think Marianne has articulated it very well. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to add. Thank you. So, We've so far been talking about peer-to-peer support, having communities come together, and the importance of why uh, the importance of having it being women-only or women-centric. Um, but the other part of, I guess, growth and development can be mentorship, one-on-one mentorship, or more closed group mentorship as well. Marion, do you have any uh, in any thoughts or insights in terms of why mentorship is important? Russian, it's a little bit like the conversation that the three of us are having now. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, mentorship is about having a learning conversation and where someone usually that we respect because they're further along the road that perhaps we would like to go down ourselves is taking the time to be present and to understand us in terms of our strengths, our potential, and you're know, willing to uh, provide support and, you know, whether that's practical support, cheering us on, and perhaps often what we see is people who are in a mentor position are able to see our potential even more clearly than we can see ourselves. So it's an incredibly powerful relationship. Um, Lillian, do you have anything to add to that? Mm. Yeah, I think the the... You know, for the longest time, actually, you know, throughout the industrial revolution and all, being a good leader has really been through a lens of a man. Come out, take charge, powerful, almost like do it my way or the highway kind of thing, you know, uh, in the old days especially. So the standard, I think, has somehow been set for how we should behave if we want to be good leaders Mm. by the standards of a man. Um, Not because, you know, it's just evolved that way, I would say. Um, but, and I think that um, when we have mentorship 
uh, programs, we're now at a stage where we're no longer the pioneers in that way. We do have women who have gone through the the, the trail, they've trailblazed before. And, um, you know, then they are also in that position to then share their experiences, provide some insight, or even reflect, take a moment to just empathize. Um, you know, I, I just absolutely know how you feel when you hit a, a, a brick wall, for example. And, and just that ability to have uh, that camaraderie and someone in your back, you know, backing you up goes a very long way. So what we want to see actually also is um, women leaders advocating for other women leaders. I think that's really important um, because coming from a place where of abundance rather than scarcity. Yeah. Uh, a, f- a few times in this conversation, the word uh, ally has come about. So what role do male allies play in advancing the cause of women in leadership and how can they more be more effective in their support? Um, Lillian? I think um, the, the male allies play a very critical role because when, when male allies are willing to stick their neck out, to make changes, it actually, you know, we're going against the status quo. And it does take someone who is courageous enough to stick his neck out to make the changes for women um, because, you know, there have been no precedents um, for women before. So when that actually happens, you know, doors are actually open for women. Opportunities are actually open for women. And, you know, uh, uh, women have the opportunity to also interact with other um male leaders in a different way. Um, yet at the same time, you know, we don't become so alien to each other. And, you know, we are able to find rela- places where we can relate and have commonality together as well. So those, I feel, um, male allies can actually provide a very, uh, play a very important role and provide very important opportunities for that to happen. Marianne, what about you? Um Lillian made some interesting, some important points earlier that it's important, you know, to have male allies who are willing to stick their neck out first, uh, because to set a precedent. Because before that, maybe there's not enough representation or not enough perceived power in that situation to make changes. Um, what are your thoughts on the importance of having male allies? I love the concept of allyship, you know, as as something that we need to be fostering in organisations and. Women don't want handouts. They mm. don't want to, you know, to be promoted um, when they're, you know, not the right people for the roles. Allyship is it, it, it's it is actually about supporting women to fulfil their potential. And so we come back to the the concept of partnership again. So how can we partner to just clear the road? At the very best leaders actually ask the question, how can I help you? And and so at a broader sense, that's what we're talking about. How can we all be allies to to get more worthy leaders at the senior levels? And actually, one of the things that was coming out of that was it's important to uh, provide the help that is needed or wanted, correct? Because there is a risk of overstepping. Maybe you're doing things that people don't necessarily want. So let's talk a little bit about common mistakes um, that are easily avoidable and can be addressed today when trying to bring more women back into the workforce and having them represented in more senior leadership. Um, any thoughts on this, Marion? 
Well, I think something that we haven't covered yet is that men actually benefit, of course, from the diversity in that uh, by adding women to senior leadership roles, that they bring diversity and a whole lot of different perspectives. Lillian and I do a lot of work with groups of CEOs from different industries and Historically, they've all been male and that's shifted in the last decade in particular, but still men are, the, are in the majority of, the, of members. And every time, you know, women join these groups without fail, the men will say, oh my goodness, this is just so useful, so valuable. You know, we're, we're broadening our perspective. And if you think about it, that's not a bad definition for wisdom, like opening up our perspective. So we bring the male and female perspective to the table. Um, Lillian, anything to add to that? Mm, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with Marianne, where women have uh, been able to bring a lot of different perspectives and men absolutely, especially in today's world, absolutely love that. Um, and on top of that, I think uh, a couple of things that do um, happen and now we're seeing it where a lot of uh, organizations are insisting that, you know, people go back into the office full time, for example, um, you know, and uh, I, I think uh, that in itself has created challenges for women, uh, for the family. And, uh, you know, then um, it comes to a point sometimes women feel that they have to choose. Do I choose my family or do I choose my career? So that uh, I think it's one of the uh, common, perhaps common structural policy making uh, mistakes that uh, organizations might be making at, in this day and age. Um, so it feels a bit like a knee jerk reaction <laughs> to what has happened before. Um, I think another common mistake is... Um, with good intentions, sometimes uh, uh, men bosses would want to also be perceived as uh, very empathetic. And therefore, you know, they might make decisions for women uh, to, you know, based on the fact that they are women or have family to look after, for example. Uh, a common thing could be, you know, nowadays it's really quite common to have families move overseas. And we are seeing... Um, the main, uh, for example, main expatriate being the woman and her family is following her to uh, those different countries. And uh, it is very, uh, once you've had some of these overseas assignments, those are very critical to a person's career path, whether you're male or female. And uh, But sometimes because we have family, um, it's automatically assumed that, you no, know, we won't be able to uproot our family and then go to someplace else to do the job that we have absolutely full capability of doing. And uh, that actually uh, impacts, done out of good intentions, yet, you know, assumed uh, and therefore not asked. So I think many women have actually also missed out on some of that opportunity as well. All right. And um, to wrap up this conversation we've had so far, Lillian, uh, we've mentioned the earlier the Worthy Leader Retreat. If anyone listening to this wants to learn more, where can they go to learn more? Um, they can actually go to our website, www.innovative-formula.com. Um, and uh, we have a tab there that speaks of Worthy Leader Retreat. And uh, it's going to be held on October 5th to 7th uh, in uh, Harmony Valley in Dandabai. Marianne, Lillian, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Roshan. Thank you.
Folks, I've been speaking with executive coaches Marianne Mooney, the author of The Worthy Leader, and Lillian Bay, partner at Innovative Formula. I'm Roshan Karnison. This has been Raise Your Game. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.